You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. The teaching text today is 2 Chronicles 7, 1-3. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from the heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the sky or to the ground, sorry. (laughs) And they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. One second. I'm also a third grade teacher, so I just can't quit the clipboard. You can ignore that. (laughs) Yeah, so good morning. My name is Lindsay and I'm one of the elders here at Oaks. And it's just so good to have you. It's so nice to have somewhat of a full room and be able to worship together. Um, We are in a series called Covered Ground. And in the series, we've been reflecting and remembering where God has brought us as a church. We've also been naming um, that ground as covered ground as something he's given us. Now, we've been referring to these stones of remembrance. And if you're just joining us in the series, um, these stones refer to an act of the people of Israel. See, throughout the Old Testament, um, throughout the Old Testament, people made altars from these stones as an act, or like to signify an encounter with God. Namely, a pretty significant encounter, like a miraculous provision or divine revelation. So, for example, in Joshua, when the people of Israel are about to cross the Jordan, and oh, it's so fun to look out at faces that I love. <laughs> the people of Israel are about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Twelve men took stones from the riverbed, and they they laid them up as an altar, so that from years to come, if their children asked. Like, what are those? They could tell the story of God. They could tell the story of how God was with them. Um, How they could say to him, God dried up the waters here just like he did in the Red Sea. So everyone who hears would know that the hand of the Lord was mightily on them. These stones, they would tell the story of what God has done. They also reminded Israel that God had been with them through it all and would continue to be with them. That circumstances in ahead of them might look a little different, but the God behind them was the same, that his hand would mightily be on them. And that is what this series is really all about. Because for us, Oaks Church, the good news is the author of our last season is the author of the next one. Amen. And, and so, a big part of this is recounting our collective story. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look back in celebration and gratitude, and then we're gonna look forward in faith um, and talk about where we feel like God is leading us in this new next season. So if you don't mind, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. God, thank you so much for these people in this church as we relive the highlight reel, these tiny snippets of what you were done, just, just, a, just but a glimpse of what you've done, would you give us the eyes to see where you've been at work in and among us? 
Would you help us to see where you're going next? Would you give us hearts that long to go with you? Because God, we don't wanna do this if you're not with us. So Spirit of God, show us your glory and take us with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. So the stone that I get to talk about, that we get to remember today, is the stone of encounter, one of encounter. We have become a people, a formative encounter, who seek the face of Jesus. Now whether you've been attending Oaks for years or you've just come along recently, it's likely you've heard a talk on this. And that's because formative encounter is one of our pillars. It's one of our three pillars, foundational, who we long to be as a people of God. So what is formative encounter? Put simply, it's an encounter with Jesus, a powerful encounter that bears fruit in our life and in the life of those around us. It's to have a moment so profound and powerful that we cannot keep it to ourselves. Oaks Church, Brooklyn, you have become a people who long to meet with Jesus, who say, like King David said, only one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And by doing so, by being that people, the whole atmosphere in our church has shifted. And dare I say, the atmosphere around our church has shifted. So what does that look like for us? Well, we have instituted prayer rugs. These rugs you see here at the front, they haven't always been here. This has happened on our journey. And we've learned that coming undone in the presence of God right here is actually a good thing because that means we're bringing the mess to him and he's, he's just invading our space with kingdom order. That's happened on these rugs. After prayer rugs came dwell, which was our night of worship and prayer where people from our church, from this church, have gathered to seek the face of God and to worship him. We have prophesied one, over one another. We have interceded for one another. We have championed one another by the power of the Spirit. And then last year when COVID happened, this is the one that gives me the most chills, I think. When COVID happened, what began is a small group of you praying to seek God on behalf of the state of our world. It became what we know as the night watch, where some of you right here, you held a nightly prayer for months on end, every single night. And that was also filled with prophecy and intercession. And I truly believe personally that that fueled our church. I believe it became the foundation of what, what was to come. And then do you remember, were you around for the 3 a.m. prayer call? Oh my gosh. We had gathered with churches all across the city. It was, we just had to seek God for what was happening in our world and with COVID. And lots of, choices, lots of churches joined, but we decided we were gonna take the 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. slot. And do you know, maybe you do, that this was the most highly attended prayer meeting to date at 3 a.m. Oh my gosh, amen, amen. Ah, yes, yes, by the way, this is about celebrating and remembering, so anytime you wanna amen or clap, that is absolutely fine, he is worthy of it. And then there are communal prayers, and there's, this is still going on. These are prayers that are held at various times in the, in the morning and at night, in the middle of the week, beginning of the week, at all the time. It happened right before our, our church service just this morning where people are hearing God on behalf of others. And then to make it a little personal, not too long ago, I get a text from a friend, Ashley Rose, who was on a prayer walk with someone who we had just met at a park hub. And she texted me, she said, hey, I don't know if you're home, but I'm standing outside your door and I'm praying for you. 
just out on my, out on 4th Street. You guys, either we are insane or we have been touched by the living God. Though church hasn't always looked like this. Church hasn't always looked like this because in the life of anyone or anything, nothing really rarely remains as it begins, right? That's part of the journey. And God has taken, feels like taken us with every new year further up and further in on this adventure, right? Now I'm gonna take a sip of water, not because I'm thirsty, because I have that like, I'm nervous, dry mouthing. I just feel like I should be honest about that. (laughs) Further up and further in. That's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I just love and that's what it feels like. Every year we're going further up and further in. But like I said, church hasn't always looked like this. You could talk to some people here. You could talk to John and Gemma when they can tell you stories about when church service was just a meeting in the back corner of the space when there wasn't even musical worship. Rarely does anything remain as it begins. So, speaking of like somewhat um, insanity or what probably was perceived as insanity, when Jesus um, was about to ascend to the Father and he hitches a ride on a cloud, he gives his disciples some last minute you know, tips and he says, and this is in Acts 1, he says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go be my witnesses, he tells them. He doesn't say get versed in apologetics, right? Engage in some moderately rigorous debate on social media and if you can, like prove my existence. Thanks, that'd be great. No, he says be my witnesses. He simply says tell your story. And while yes, we might be a little bit insane, I have lived experience that we are not. I have lived experience that says otherwise because I've got stories and I'm pretty sure so do you. So let's go back and remember and recount and celebrate with some stories. When I first came to Oaks, which was at that time Trinity Grace Williamsburg, I was coming out of a few tough years and there's a lot of healing to be done. And each Sunday, um, and maybe you can identify with this, but each Sunday I was sitting in the back, like right over there, the spirit would move and my heart would beat fast and I was holding back tears and I knew I needed to go up for prayer, but I just like, if there had been pews, I would have been holding on to them. But I fought the urge and I fought it Sunday after Sunday until finally I just go up and I go up to the front right over here and someone prayed for me. And, and I just wanna say too, like I know how vulnerable it is to go and ask for prayer for someone that you, to be prayed for by someone that you don't know. It is incredibly vulnerable. Um, so if, you, if you've ever experienced that, believe me, I feel you, I hear you. Um, but I finally fought the urge and I went and something amazing happened. God began a healing work in my heart. And then I just kept going up every Sunday. <laughs> Like every single Sunday, I would get excited to come to church, not so much for the sermon, but to get prayed for um, by you, by some of you, because I knew that you were a people who prayed like someone who walked and talked with Jesus. And because of your formative encounter, healing began in my heart. And so this was in early 2018 and formative encounter had been taking a hold. Prayer ministry was on the rise um, and people here were beginning to explore the gifts of the spirit. 
But we need to go back even further if we're really gonna tell this story properly. See, just a few years earlier, Tyler, who is our former, was our former lead pastor, became intrigued by the things of the Spirit. He goes on what can only be described as a Holy Spirit field trip to England, and he has this profound encounter. Turns out the rumors were all true, and so he comes back and he can't keep it to himself. And so what I feel like happened was what was changing in him began changing around him, meaning it was now changing things in the space. And again, he can't keep it to himself, so a few years later, he invites a small group of us to go back with him to England. Um, and so myself, Nick and Meg Jacobs, and Will and Alessandra Thomas, we all get on a plane, we hardly know each other. Other, I, know, I knew the Jacobs, but we didn't really know each other as a group. We hop on a plane, go across the Atlantic, and we spend time with this church in London called King's Cross. Now, they were, they're very similar to our church, um, and, then, and they are also a few years ahead of us in exploring the things of the Spirit. So we were just gonna hang out. And by the way, that, that was a really um, interesting talk with my boss when she asked, oh, why are you going to London? Uh, uh, um, yeah, so I really didn't know what to say. <laughs> uh, but she lets me, thank you, Jesus, she lets me and we go for about a week. And the first night we attended a worship and prayer night and the power and authority with which these people prayed was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I grew up Pentecostal, but I'd never, I'd seen things, but never like this, never like this. <sighs> I, and so that first night, I can't really tell you much about it because I wrote in my journal, I don't know what just happened, <laughs> but I wanna do that again. I wanna do that again. So later on in the week, um, <laughs> later on in the week, we, we were scheduled to have dinner with the staff and um, the pastors of this church, right? So we're eating our Indian as one would in London. And then we go to the living room to have some dessert and to chat, or what I thought was like supposed to be dessert and chat. And they go, hey, we just wanna pray for all of you. And then for the next three hours, one by one, they just prayed and prophesied over us for three hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was just like in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries of the Spirit but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And these people who we had never met until now were doing that very same thing. So what I mean by that is they would ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak and to minister to us specifically. And then any words or pictures or verses that came up, they would speak them over us and then they would pray them into being. I mean, secrets of our hearts were revealed from strangers across an ocean who we had never met. Now, you might hear that and think, okay, that's cool, right? But, but we, that happens here. Yes, but three years ago, this was incredible. This was wild. And I just hope and pray for us that we never become a people who get too familiar with the things that are holy, right? Ugh. It was wild. Now, one particular moment sticks out, and I got their permission to share it, but it, and you might have heard this story, but it happened um, with Will and Alessandra. Hmm. Um, the night was coming to a close, like it had been a while, and we were saying our goodbyes, and this guy, Gavin, says, 
you know, Will, there's just one more thing. He said, I didn't say it earlier because I thought it was a little nutty and I don't know if it'll resonate at all, but I'm just gonna go for it. He said, I just have this picture of the Statue of Liberty, um, but Will, your head is on the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and we all just kind of start laughing, except Will and Al, who start weeping. Because what our new friends didn't know was that Will and Al had been going through a years-long struggle with immigration. Alessandra was desperate to get her, get her U.S citizenship and they were just meeting struggle after struggle for years. But what none of us knew is that Alessandra's mom had made this photo, this photo collage. Can we show it? Oh, do we have it? Of the Statue of Liberty. And do you see what's at the top? Can we actually zoom in and go to the next slide? That is Will Thomas's head on the Statue of Liberty. Come on, come on. Yeah, oh my word. And listen, you're, yes, your eyes are not deceiving you. That is Will's head. That God would bring Will and Al to another country across an ocean and through a stranger say, hey, I've heard your cries. I see you, I love you, I am for you. That was absolutely wild, absolutely wild, amen. So we got a taste of this and there was no turning back. My friend has a little girl and she's just learning to talk and she's so cute. Anytime she like jumps in a swimming pool or goes snow sledding or eats chocolate, she goes, more, more, <laughs> more. And that's like, that's what we, we were on the plane like, okay, but that, we need more of this. We don't know what just happened, but we want more. And so upon returning, we start practicing because we didn't, we didn't know how else to begin. So we would have dinner at um, Will and Al's house and Meg and Nick would come and we would try to recreate this, um, this moment. So we would ask, we would have a meal or some good snacks. We would ask the spirit to come. And any words or verses or pictures that came to mind, we just went for it. I remember Will just said, I don't even care. I'm just going for it. If anything comes to my mind, I'm just going for it. Oh. And it was so, God was so faithful. He was so faithful and he met us there. Now, I have to acknowledge something. At that very same time, some of you were also tasting and seeing that the Lord was good and doing the same things in your apartments. I remember um, Simon and Amber, who used to be elder, uh, Simon used to be an elder at the church and they were leaders in the church. They uh, would host these prophecy nights where they would do the same thing. People would come to their home to kind of learn this stuff. And I remember Rachel Larson, who you just met, she came up and talked to you about prayer. Um, she, she has also been leading us in the, these gifts, right? So she leads us in a game. Yes, I said a game. <laughs> um, and each person picked a number out of a hat. And then we got a piece of paper with that number on it. And we simply all asked God to speak to us. And whatever came to our mind, we wrote on the piece of paper. And the idea was, after we were done, we would exchange papers, right? And I can't even tell you how blown away we were when everything started matching pretty well. And this was a game. Um, I remember too, I have to say this, that um, towards the end when we were all exchanging, I remember seeing a calm 
but also slightly panicked look on Rachel's face because she goes, oh my goodness, we have an extra one, which means someone had a word from God and we had no one to give it to. And we're like, oh. And right about then, do you remember? Someone buzzed the apartment. They, they hadn't planned on coming, but decided to come at the last minute. So they opened the door and were like, hey, this is from God? <laughs> this is from God? <laughs> It's also the night that Renee had this image for Maggie about Stonehenge. And I remember thinking, I want courage like Renee. I want courage to be specific like that. And it is so fun to witness. It's as much fun to witness, right, as it is to receive. Because you watch someone that you care about. You watch someone in community, in your community, receive the specific and personal love of Jesus right there. Now, looking back, it is impossible not to acknowledge God's kindness when we were just playing games and practicing at this thing that we barely understood but desperately wanted, he was pouring faith into our hearts. This is the covered ground he's given us, Oaks Church. This, amen? You are a people of formative encounter who hear the voice of God and then speak to others around you. And so here we are in 2021, and it's breaking out everywhere. It's breaking out on these rugs. It's breaking out at Dwell. It's breaking out in communal prayer hours. It's breaking out in your apartments, in your community groups, in your core groups. And if you're thinking, ooh, it is, I didn't know that. Come, like, come join us. Come be a part of it. Come and see. And also, little plug, Rachel Larson teaches now. She teaches a course called You Can Hear the Voice of God. So next time it opens, I highly recommend you signing up for that. Yeah, yeah. And I really believe in all my heart, with all my heart, that as this is happening, Jesus is championing, championing us. He's saying, like, yes. I even think he's looking at God and saying, look, Dad, they're doing it. They're doing it. We're pressing in. Because what God wants most in this whole world is for us to be restored to him. He wants relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to speak into the deepest longings of your heart. See, that's what formative encounter is really about. It's not about loud worship or hearing people name super random things about your life, though that's kind of fun. It's about an encounter with God it's about moments that show us that we are known and loved. I see you, I love you, I'm for you. And the best thing is these words are not empty. They're never empty. When God speaks, it's because he wants to act. In John five, Jesus actually says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do what I see the Father doing. And so I really believe the Spirit's only speaking what he sees the Father doing. And the Father's whole mission, the, this whole thing, is that you would be loved and restored. There's a, the, a quote from Philip Yancey that I just love. And he says, yeah, he says, in my lifelong study of the Bible, I've looked for an overarching theme, a summary statement of what this whole sprawling book is about, and I've settled on this. God gets his family back. And he goes to incredible lengths to reclaim his children. And one way he does this is through the gift of prophecy. By speaking to one of his children on behalf of another, isn't that beautiful? 
And this is my last story. Um, Because I think, and I want to tell it, because I think it will explain why I feel so passionately about this, about um, the gift of, of the prophetic. Why my prayer is that all of you, everyone at home, everyone in our community would eagerly desire this gift. So I moved to New York City around 2006 and I mean, I don't even know how to explain it except it was, ma- it was just magical. It was so blessed, it was so magical. Um, I was part of a group and maybe some of you were part of that too. I was part of a group who was planting the original Trinity Grace Church. And that is a network of churches we used to belong to. Um, So it may sound familiar. Um, But we were seeking the kingdom of God and we were absolutely in love with New York City. And when people would ask me like, oh, tell me about your church or tell me about your friends, I would say, it's like the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, it, or, or for the younger crowd, like the color factory, wherever. But it was, it was like that. It was like that. And it was so sweet for a while. And then about five years in, the church began to, had, had been multiplying. And we had various churches around the city. And because of that, but I think also because of the transient nature of the city, um, my friends kind of dispersed. And I, and I didn't. So I found myself completely alone. And it wasn't sudden or anything. It was more like a sunset. How, you know, it's just gradual and then all of a sudden everything's dark, you know? Um, but it was incredibly lonely. And nothing too dramatic really happened in those five years. Like my church was replaced by brunch and watching a lot of TLCs say yes to the dress. And, um, but you know, pretty much that's kind of how it was, except I was incredibly lonely and probably a little bit miserable. Um, during that time, I tried and failed to go back to church at least a dozen times. Um, but I was overcome with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about the things I'd done during that time, the things that I hadn't done during that time. And so I'd go to church, but at the end of worship, I would make a beeline to the back door before anyone could talk to me and ask me. Because anytime someone said, hey, how are you? How's your heart? I would just lose it. So rather than go through all that mess, I just, I just went for the door. And that happened about a dozen times over those five years. And also, I just want to say, it is incredibly different, difficult, sorry, it's incredibly difficult to come to church alone when you don't know people. And so I want to say, if that happens to be you today, or if that's ever been you, like, I know that. And also, if it's you today, like, come find me, because I'd just love to say hey to you. <laughs> um, it's incredibly hard. So fast forward to 2016. It was the 10-year anniversary of Trinity Grace Church, the church my friends and I had planted. And I get this invitation, um, an email, and it, we're going to have this celebration. And I think, this is it. Like, my friends are going to be there. The people I know, they're going to be there. This, this is it. Maybe, like, maybe this time it'll stick. And so I go, and it is the most uncomfortable hour ever. I get to see friends, and we take our, you know, obligatory pictures, and we eat some snacks and mingle, but it's just awkward, you know, because you can't make up for five years of not seeing people in a night. Um, and so I decide, okay, it's, it's just time to, time to go home. I'm also an introvert, so I probably have wanted to go home not too long from then anyway. So I, so I start heading toward the door, as I was accustomed to doing. And my friend, Bill Kerr, goes, hey, hey, Lindsay, do you have to leave right now? I just wanted to talk to you about something. And yeah, yeah, oh yeah, some of you know Bill Kerr. Now, at the t- that time, I knew nothing about prophecy except for one thing. Bill Kerr was prophetic. And so I go... 
no, sorry, I really gotta get back to Brooklyn. <laughs> and he said, and thank goodness, thank you, Jesus, he said, it'll only take a second. <sighs> and so he goes up to me, and you would have to know Bill to know that this is okay, but he just puts his hand right here on my heart. This is, this is the most brotherly way, and he goes, Lindsay, Jesus just really wants to heal your heart. In the middle of a party, this is happening. Jesus, Lindsay, Jesus, Jesus just wants to heal your heart. And so I kind of start tearing up, and, he, and, and I said, oh, okay, okay, thank you, Bill. And he goes, there's just one thing. You, I just see you, and there's a knife there, and you're holding it, and you just keep twisting this knife. And Jesus wants to heal you, but in order to do that, you have to take the knife out. And he said, and this is, when I, this is how I know it's from God, because he knows me. <laughs> he says, I don't know if you can do it tonight, or in the morning, or next week, but you gotta take the knife out. And so I just fall apart. I, you know, we hug and I just, I just weep and then I weep all the way back to Brooklyn. And now I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, the, this healing process, it was a process. It would take a while, but there is one thing that changed instantly, and that was that my guilt and my shame and the feeling of, ban of abandonment was gone in a snap. In a snap, amen? Because I knew that Jesus, yeah, yeah. He is so, this is how he loves us. This is how specific and personal he loves us. And so those things were gone. And so many times, I've wondered, what if Bill would have not listened to the still small voice of the Father? I'm sure God would have had another way. But what if he would have said, God, I am not telling Lindsay Reyes at a party that she has a dagger in her heart. <laughs> like there's, it doesn't get crazier than that. And thank you that he did, he, he did it, he stepped out. And so I wanna say this again, I wanna be crystal clear, God goes to incredible lengths to reclaim his children. And it is true for me and it is true for you and it is true for the lost that are out there waiting for him to speak to them. He goes to incredible lengths even and especially by speaking to one of his children on behalf of another. So what now? It is my, a sincere belief seems too small a phrase. It is my conviction that he is calling us now, Oaks Church, into a deeper measure of that and into a deeper measure of authority in that gift. And I think he's doing it in order to love those in this community and those outside our community. Like what if God's plan to restore Brooklyn includes you? And I kind of think it does. So where do we begin? I would just love to offer some practical next steps. One, be a witness, tell your story. I don't have many stories, but the ones I have, I will tell them until I'm blue in the face. I'm gonna tell them until I get more stories. When Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, you might remember that she runs back later and she goes to tell her village. In John 4, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. But listen to this part. They said to the woman, 
We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. So tell your stories and keep telling them until others go out and go get their stories. Two is ask for it. Ask for this gift of prophecy. And listen, if you need to be honest and tell God that you lack this desire, then ask the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh desire to grow this hunger in you. What does it look like? What does it look like for us personally to take steps into discomfort for the sake of knowing more of God? And then the last one is pretty simple. It's one of my favorite. Get around people who are hungry for God, right? Just go, go find them, go spend time with them. Ask them, like, how do you pray? Like, can, I, can I pray with you? Can I do this stuff with you? And so I'm coming to a close here, and I'm, I'm closing early for a reason, because we, we wanna allow space for, God, for this work. We wanna allow space for God to minister to us this morning, for us to be in his presence, to linger in his presence and see what he has for us. Amen? So... Some of you might be hearing this and you might be thinking, yeah, this prophecy thing sounds kind of cool. It's good for some people, but I I don't know if that's for me. Let me tell you, this gift is for everyone, everyone. Paul said all of us should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And here we like to quote John Wimber um, when he says, everyone gets to play, everyone gets to play. So if that's you, we would love to pray for you um, and join you, join you in asking God. His jo- God is a generous giver. And then, um, oops, uh, it's like I, lo- I lost the second and third one. I didn't. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? And then two, there are some of you who have been operating in these things, right? Maybe you've carried it for our church since the beginning. And to you, I just believe God wants to just pour out more authority. I think he wants to increase this gift and increase the measure of this gift. Like we are a people of encounter. You are a people of encounter. What are you doing with your authority? I think God's gonna change Brooklyn with it by the power of his spirit. And then the last thing is just something that kind of happened or it came to me this week as I was preparing, I got this image of a splinter. Like, I never get splinters, and I got three last week. Mm. Never, I mean, not since I was a little girl. And I was like, okay, God, because he tends to speak to me in patterns and when things happen again and again, I said, what, what is this about? And I just believe that maybe there's some of you here, or some of you listening, and there's been a splintering. And a, and a splinter, right, is just a tiny piece of something that breaks off from a hole. It's tiny, but it can cause incredible pain. And I just believe in, in my heart that maybe God wants to heal some of you who have experienced some sort of splintering. And so if any of that resonates with you or there's something totally different that you want to come and have prayer for, our prayer ministry is gonna come up. So if, if you're in the prayer ministry, please come on, come on to the front and we would love to pray for you. Thank you so much that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. 
and you, your whole mission is that we would feel your love and we would be restored to you. You are a good father. You are an almighty king. You are a good, good father. And so I'm just going to ask um, if anything was stirring in your heart, something that um, I've just mentioned or something from earlier, and you just really want to touch from God this morning, whether it's a greater measure of authority or, the, or a spiritual gift like prophecy, or you just need him to minister to your heart. I'm just going to ask you to be bold. And if, if all of us could actually stand, does everyone stand? I'm going to ask you just to put your hands out like this in a posture of receiving. Prayer ministry is up here. Please come forward and we can pray for you.